Oh, hello. My name is Ryan. And my name is Steve, and you are listening to 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar buying, selling, trading, modding, fixing, breaking, reviewing, playing podcast. Steve, do you think of yourself as being the host with the best voice on this podcast? Because I do. (laughs) I think of you as being the host with the best voice. So it's funny, actually. So I'm going to... Agree with me in the comments, guys, on the Facebook oh or YouTube gosh. or wherever you um, happen to be. So my first thought... It's probably just because you, you don't have to edit this. I have to edit and I have to hear my voice, which is always awful. Oh, so... Okay, so... Actually, this is multiple thoughts. Ooh, hey, here, here we go. Here we go. We're going to go into the, the manifold hey, Ryan, thought zone with hold, Steve. Hold on, Ryan. What's new with you? We're going into the multi-thought zone with Steve. <laughs> what's, what's new with you, Ryan? I got nothing new, Steve. What's new with you? I have some thoughts. <laughs> Tell me your thoughts, Steve. So the first thing this is... This episode is, just um, went in the fifth gear. Oh, my God. Um, so <laughs> we've been trying to figure out this whole dynamic ad dropping thing. Uh-huh. So I've been going through, and when we were testing it, listening to like different episodes from different times of of the show and i went back to like episode 160 and listened to it and i think i just happened to land on like an episode where i don't know if it was like one where my microphone was like died halfway through and so i was on your mic Uh like where you had to like fake the eq or whatever yeah all i know is i was like what is that sound and i was like i was like who the hell is that and i was like oh it's me but it was like hey this is steve (laughs) You realize it was like super it was high like pitched. Two it was like years ago. It was like really nasal, but it, and you know I've never really learned how to mix things correctly. I just kind of fudge. My but way the thing is, is I listened to like the episode previous to that, and it sounded more normal. Oh, really? So I think I just happened to land on something that was EQ'd weird. Maybe um, you were sick. But maybe I was sick. That's definitely possible too. You went through a couple episodes where your voice was shot. Yeah. Too. No, it wasn't Do you remember even, those? Yeah, this wasn't like shot voice. This was definitely like. Con- either like a congested nasal tone or something went weird so you had to like scoop all of the mids and lows out of my lo- channel and all was left was like hey yeah something things go bad and weird sometimes uh i'd say that about 30 to 40 percent of our audience is comprised of fellow youtubers i mean fellow podcasters at this point no, it's not. Um, so they That's can, like they can, all, they can all, they can all relate to things going wrong in an episode, and you still publish it. True. Okay. Yeah. So the other thing I was going to say, you know, is, you're out there. You know, you're all podcasting now because of us. It's all because there's of us. something I noticed, and all so of the people, this episode, all of the people you just mentioned are going to be offended by what I'm about to say. Say it, Steve. Draw, I want, I want to go into the multi-thought zone with you. The thing that I have noticed and I've been really impressed with for the last few weeks. Now you're going to f- screw it up. Oh, um, is our, basically our like signal to noise ratio is insane. Like our signal to noise ratio on this show, I think, is better than some like uh, Discovery Network shows. Is on par with like some NPR shows. I'll take the compliment. Like Steve. it's a compliment, and the reason I've noticed it is because I don't I don't really re-listen to our show anymore because I I you you, you already sat through it once. I've sat through it once. 
I know what to expect. Like, unless you say, like, hey, there were some issues on this, like, then I'll listen to it. But I just... I should make you edit an episode Oh, someday. my gosh. And film you doing it. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Um, <laughs> no, I'm saying just because, like, you... I feel like you create like you do a very consistent job of editing, and not only that, like you really I feel like nail the gain levels, hmm. um, because our show is one that I have a tendency to need to turn down. Oh, okay. That which which what that I means, always feel self conscious because I listen to a lot of like podcast network style mm-hmm. shows that just blast the compression, and it's just like everybody is like bouncing almost at zero decibels on the meter. Right. Where like ours, I leave some dynamics in there because we're musicians and we know the value of dynamics. Well, where I notice it is that I can listen to our show in the car, mm. like on, on my Bluetooth without really making any Are other shows too quiet, major adjustments. Some shows I really have to like crank. I really have to crank the post game. Um, I have to like turn up my car radio, like really loud. I actually stopped using compression on the show. Really? Is that interesting to you? Um, it probably would be if I knew what that meant. <laughs> uh, no, I mean I know what I know what it means. I just it's something I've noticed where if I'm if I'm listening to like say like uh, um, well I just finished listening, which isn't a hundred percent true. I I use an audio dynamics processor, which brings down the peaks. Which allows the you know the, some of the frequencies to be pushed up a little bit. You know the difference. But I'm not using a compressor to raise. Do you know the difference between a compressor and a limiter? What? Uh, ask Scott Hamilton. Yeah, ask Scott Hamilton. That's um, a good answer. He went to college for this stuff. I bet he did. Uh, no, I, I've just noticed that. Like, I'll be listening to like, uh, oh, the Greatest Generation is actually a good example because I think they have a have pretty good audio quality. Sure. Um, I'll listen to them and then like I'll listen to our show and I don't have to adjust my headphones at all. Um, but then I'll listen to like another show um, and I'll have to like turn um, turn everything like way up. Right. And it's like – it's and then that show will end and it'll go back to like something else that is um, – also has like I'm similar, liking how this episode is starting out like t- telling me how good I am like at similar volume show. episode f- similar volume levels to ours and I'm like oh my god my ears <laughs> so we're a happy um, medium yeah that's what you're saying we're we're in a I think I think audio like content wise I you know maybe we're not the best show but I think from a from a I think we've hit a quality standpoint I think we've hit a place where we've been doing this long enough. That it's not dangerous anymore. Like I think you've got it pretty, pretty figured out. We're pretty like like our content is pretty safe now because people are used to it. But five years ago, guys, this was no one else was doing what we do. It was only four and a half years ago. That's eh, almost five. Come on, come on, give that to me. In January, it'll In January, be January. It'll be five years. It's it's practically October right now. We're one season away. From getting into five years. Uh, so, did you have anything new? It was just your multi-thought verse thing. Yeah, that Multiverse was it. Of thoughts. Um, I don't even know how I got there anymore. Actually, it's all out of my brain. It's because I complimented your uh, silky smooth voice. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yes, I just feel like your voice has a better EQ quality than mine. Like, there's more there to work. I don't with. like hearing my voice. No one likes hearing their voice, but I feel like I'm at the place where I can separate myself from that aspect of it and listen to my voice in a technical sense and be like my voice isn't as good as steve's i think i i I think i've earned that okay should we get into the show yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> this first ad was sent by Gilbert Leon. It was sub. It was submitted to um, the Facebook group by Gilbert Leon. It was actually texted directly to me by Co Schneider. The, oh my gosh, the ad wizard. You know, mo- you know, most of our trackable audience on the Facebook group is in San Diego. Not most of it, but like the highest concentration in one geography. Is, are they really? There's like 60 or 70 people in San Diego that are on the Facebook group. Oh. It's probably all our friends and family. Yeah, that's true. I'm in there. Is my wife? I think my wife's I in there. I think like Miami or something is like the next closest. Interesting. I never yeah. look into the Facebook group. Uh, you should do some statistics. It's, it's interesting. Uh, are we still at like 3% women? <laughs> yeah, something dismal like that. We need more ladies. Ladies that are in there. Tell your lady friends that we're lady friendly on the 60 Cycle Hum Facebook group because we are. Not like those other Facebook groups. Yeah, those other Facebook groups are not lady friendly. We are. And I don't mean that in the way like, oh, we're going to like, like, like gather around you and cherish you and be like, oh, we're so glad you're here. It's we're going to be cool. And we're going to be, and we're going to be like, make sure other people are cool to you. And we're going like, to be like, hey, ladies. We're not going to be like, hey, ladies. <laughs> we're not even going to be like, Ladies, hmm. we're not even going to do that. We just want you in our. We know that you're out there playing guitar. We want you in our audience, and we want you in our community. Uh, so this first ad, you just made that weird. I know, I know. It, th- that's the thing, though. I'm saying we, in the group, we won't make it as weird as I just made it now in the podcast. We don't go like ladies in the group. We don't, and we don't go like ladies. Come on, in the group, because that's also weird. We just want you to be part of a regular community because we appreciate you and value you. I'm making it weirder, aren't I? <laughs> Let's get into this ad. This steampunk guitar is a player. Oh, God. Because you turn the crank and the hammers hit the strings. You can flip a lever and lift the hammers off the strings so you can play it like a normal guitar. It is self-amplified with two 9-volt batteries. The speaker is the horn. It does have the jack if you want to plug it into an amp. Uh, Here's a link to a video of it in action. Did you Did you go to the link? I didn't. Yeah, me neither. I guess we should probably do that, huh? If we can even find it. you want to really do? If we can find it. I don't even know how to really start with describing this. Um, I love that... That um, even the stand that it's on is also makeshift. Well, yeah, the stand's made out of uh, plumbing pipes. plumbing pipes. Which looks um, like a really bad idea for any other guitar because it would damage it being hard metal, but it's fine for this guitar. Um, I, there, yeah, there. This guy like took apart a trombone, put a speaker, I guess, in the bell of it. Yeah, ran it around the body. I like the fact that the hammers you can crank them. You can crank the hammers, yeah. right? Yeah. This is everything you've always wanted in a steampunk oh, guitar. You want all these things that, I mean, it's got its fair share of random. Uh, Most of it is random decorations random that decoration. don't do anything. Just gears like, like randomly and dials and things in the way that are going to cut you. But did you look at those? The one thing, the one detail that I like uh-huh. is the uh, the key. Tuning pegs. I was just going to say, what do you think about those tuning yes, that's, tu- tuning keys, Ryan? I like that. I think that's fun. I like the knobs that he used, but you could use those on any guitar and not turn it steampunk. Uh, some of the worst elements of mm-hmm. this guitar 
are the exposed glass tubes sticking yeah, out of it. How long places. is that going to last? Uh, about five minutes until you bump into literally anything and they and shatter. You die. Yeah. And you get like lead dust all over you because they were manufactured, you know, with asbestos in Russia or something like that. What do you think about this 3D printed caution high voltage badge? The the 3D printed badge puts it over the top for me of being like, ugh, freaking steampunkers and their stupid lame stuff. Like, if it, it would have been cool if it was, you know, a, a hand tooled leather badge, mm. which would probably have taken about the same time as designing a 3D file and having it 3D printed right. and have it not look as good. Like, are we at the place yet in our technological society where we can agree? that a lot of times 3D printed stuff looks bad. Like the the technology is cool, the concept and the promise of the technology is cool, but most of the time the execution is just like, eh. Right. Eh. I mean, it's cool that the astronauts have a 3D printer so they can make the parts that they need that they don't have. But it's like you didn't need to make, you didn't need a 3D print this component. Yeah, a lot of 3D printed stuff is, is especially like, publicly 3d printed like this is uh, the link, it doesn't it still looks am, like it's the link for the video is a drive link yeah just forget it man i'm not gonna open this um i want to know i, I guess, I guess the amplifier is inside the body like it must because i don't see uh an amplifier hanging out anywhere i want to know how much of this stuff hanging off this guitar actually does anything like there's this giant rotary like like control s- switch thing that's mounted alongside of the trombone horn. Yeah, it looks heavy. It doesn't look like it. How much do you think literally this does anything? How much do you think this thing weighs? Oh, this thing's got to weigh eighty pounds, and it doesn't look like it's built around a good guitar. It's like some sort of really bad harmony. Oh yeah, like like a bad Strat knockoff from the eighties. This just looks like it would be very painful to hold. Okay, this and per- try to play in any meaningful way. This person wants fifteen hundred dollars. Are you saying this does not have fifteen hundred dollars worth of modifications to it? It might. It might have about one hundred and twenty dollars worth of copper in it. No, this. It, if this guy thinks this is worth fifteen hundred dollars, then it's only worth that to him, and he should keep it. Yeah. I if I was going to pay fifteen hundred dollars to commission a steampunk guitar. Hmm. It would be a lot better than this. Oh yeah, I'll say that. Okay, like it would, it wouldn't just be a jumble of parts, you know, like crammed on to a guitar. It would be a guitar designed to exist in a steampunk universe. Like, oh, this is a guitar like that could exist in the uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen movie, right? Where maybe, yeah, maybe it does have one like phonograph horn coming out of the back of it for the amplification, but the rest of it makes sense, even though it's decorated right. in a Victorian sort of way. And maybe there's, you know, like a bagpipe arms thing to squeeze to make the sound. I don't know. <laughs> but like the, so much of this is just non-functional and just added weight that gets in the way. Like there's a friggin' tube coming out of the neck at the first fret on the, where your thumb would rest and that goes down to the fourth fret. This is not a functional player. I don't think I noticed that. Yeah, the, the, you can see it in this picture. 
Right. I was trying to see if there was a picture of it from. There's like, a the tube, a glass way. tube coming out of the headstock next to a gear that's just randomly screwed in there. I mean, the gears that do nothing is is right. That's my, a, a huge pet peeve pet of mine. Peeve. Like, oh, you're steampunk. You glued, you hot glued a clock gear to your velvet top hat. I almost wonder if this Way guitar go, is so laden that, like, that that thing up on the neck is just a handle because you're not supposed it's to totally stand, possible. You're not supposed to, like, stand up with this guitar. You're supposed to play it like a steel. I want to, I mean, the, the two, like, the yays of this guitar, the cheers of it. We're going cheers and jeers here. Cheers and jeers. The cheers are those key tuning pegs. Mm-hmm. I think that's a cool look. I think someone could uh, produce a set of tuners that had that look uh, that would be more uniform. Yeah. Or or just be smaller tuning pegs because I can tell that they'd be difficult to tune right now with because of the size of them. I like mm-hmm. the mixed look, but I want would want them to be smaller. Uh, so that's a cheer. And then the hand cranked thing, the fact that they set it up and can execute it. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. That's fun. Uh, everything else, well, I guess the built in amp is fine. Okay. They could have done a smaller uh, contraption for that that would have had the same visual effect. Mm-hmm. So those are three cheers. The rest is all jeers for me. Okay. Every every gear this vacuum tube is a separate gear. Yeah, every gear that's just placed on here randomly, random capacitors and stuff that are just kind of like. Wait, hold on. Random what? Capacitors. I thought you said capacitors. No, I might have. I don't know. I meant capacitors that are just rewind the tape attached here and gigantic like transformer switches that you know do nothing. Yeah, and a copper like distilling tube here. This person spent too much money on copper with this <laughs> device. It's like they collect, a, they, collected as, they collected as, as much old junk as they possibly could, put it all together on one guitar when they should have just you know recycled it <laughs> instead of upcycling it, which right. is what I'm sure they tell their friends they did. Oh, yeah. It's upcycled. I upcycled the whole thing. Now, they probably spent like 60 bucks getting that uh, pressure gauge there that's up in the upper bout. And also, if you use gauges in your steampunk build, make sure that they move around. Like, get, oh yeah, like figure out how to make them do that. Well, that's like, a pressure gauge. I don't think it, any, there's no way that do does anything. anything you know? yeah. that's actually the one thing I like with um, the raw iron stuff that Ed Chu does. Is yeah. he takes these old like he makes them work. Uh, electrical gauges and uses them as like like V you know they're VU. We've had this discussion uh, before when we when we trash on gauges. steampunk guitars yeah. that Ed Chu. Uh, is outside of this conversation because he's made stuff that actually is functional yeah. and isn't a pile of like just random garbage. He yeah. actually puts some design into it and makes it look good with the, the parts that he's combined. I want to call. Know? Yeah, it's not. It's His not, stuff isn't steampunk. It's not steampunk, but it would fit in a steampunk board. You right. Know? If someone had a steampunk board, you could throw his stuff on there for sure. Sure. We're talking about his custom stuff, not like his production pedals. Right. Yeah. Right. All those production pedals are very handsome. I'm not dissing those at all, obviously. Uh, obviously. Topic? <laughs> yeah, this topic was sent in by Michael Freer. He says, how many of us, myself included, love the whole gear thing, but aren't sure they actually hear the differences that others do? I've never swapped out pickups, electronics, bridges, tubes, etc. in my search of improved, quote, improved tone. All my guitars and amps are as stock as the day they were built, and I have quite a few different guitars. Um, 
I definitely think I am one of those people. Yeah, I well, I don't think I'm that person in every respect, but there's definitely uh, areas within Guitar Gear that yeah. I am that person. I had a Hot Rod Deluxe, and I swapped speakers on it, and I don't know if it sounded any better, but I told myself it did. I very rarely um, ever do anything with tubes. And the, the few times that I have swapped tubes in devices and amps or other things, I have not noticed a difference. Well, and there's other than now it works. Yeah, and, and there, that's probably there, the issue. There is a th- there's definitely a thing there. Like some guys, if you have like say, well, say even like that Wong's the Wong's amp that I have, right. like the VT or like you have the the VT one. I have the Mini Five where the that's, tubes are exposed. Probably because we're not the type of players that um, that live in cranked tube territory, right? But it's but also with like those kinds of amps, like it's probably pretty easy to like you know throw on some throw you know. Get a pair of uh, of leather gardening gloves or whatever. Get yourself an of glove. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Sure. Like a silicone oven. Yeah, glove. yeah. Um, turn turn it on. Crank it up. Play a little bit. Then you go, huh? And then swap out a tube and put another one in because it's exposed right on the top. It's easy to do. Yeah, yeah. But the reality is, is like like you said, like when you've replaced tubes on amps, it's because your amp was crapping out. Yeah. So you can, put, it's hard to com- compare broken to, so it's like, you, you know, if you, if you spend a bunch of money and this happens a lot where like a guy will be like, Oh my amp, I feel like my amp sounding bad. So I put in these new tubes and all of a sudden it sounded great. These new tubes are great. It's like, well, that's because they're, they're new. They function. That's like literally saying like, well, I prefer Diodario strings to Ernie balls because I had these, you know, fifteen-year-old Ernie balls that basically, if I strummed the guitar, they all would have broken because they're super corroded. Yeah, yeah. I slap these Diodarios on. Wow, Diodarios oh, sound man. great. Uh, Ernie ball sucks. Diodario rules. Like, um, maybe you just should replace your strings more often. Yeah, your old strings sounded bad because they were old. That's why you can't ever judge blue steels because I only play them when I borrow guitars from you, and the first thing I do when I get a guitar from you is replace the strings. <laughs> well, I like blue steels just because they feel different to me. Right. Like they feel a little beefier to me and they have Yeah, they usually feel different to me. They feel rusted. This is pro- this is probably something that happened once. It did. I don't even remember what guitar. It was with the it's the little stinker. Oh, okay. I don't think I had blue steels on that. I don't know what was on it. It probably had gear supply on there. Well, whatever was on it. I was on having it. the thought the other day that maybe on the show sometime we should do a gear supply recap of just everything that went down cuz every now and then people are like Whatever happened with those guys? And they were sponsors of ours. So we like, should, maybe we are responsible to update people. We should do a video. Ah, I feel like that's too douchey. I don't know. Is it? Tell us, tell us uh, in the comments, wherever you are, if we should cover The reason I'm thinking video is because then there can be visuals. Like you can show exam- – because people, some people did really like their aesthetic. So there can be visuals. And two, because – like somebody commented today, like where someone brought up gear supply. I don't in the feel Facebook comfortable group. with it. Someone brought up gear supply in the Facebook group, uh, and somebody replied, "Hey, I'm listening to the podcast from the beginning, and I just got to this set of episodes where Gear Supply was sponsoring the yeah, show. They sponsored us for a while, and so they sponsored us, and we were giving away free subscriptions for Inner Circle supporters. Yeah, it's um, always a bummer when." Uh, a brand associated with a show uh, 
crashes and burns yeah, crashes spectacularly and burns. Yeah. in the most gross way possible. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, other it sw- wasn't the first time. It won't be the last, I'm other sure. Other swaps, um, when I swapped out the humbucker on my jack saying the Fender one, for uh, Seymour Duncan JB, I definitely think I heard a difference. I don't know if that was something where like my ear just was getting more used to the sound. Pickups is a thing where I'm like, am I really hearing a difference in the quality of the sound or am I just hearing a difference in the output? Right. And that's an interesting point. I don't, I don't I mean, know. I have had pickups that I thought sounded bad, but I feel like once you get to a certain level, I have a tough time hearing between hearing the difference between uh, standard, like, decent pickups and really, really good pickups. Right. Well, I'm thinking more along the lines of, like, and again, it could, you know, how often with a with a guitar, excuse me, do you, um, so one thing I've always said is I've always said, like, I think. He always says this. always say that, that the stock Fender Mexican uh, pickup, on the Stratocaster that was used from like the, at least from the mid nineties to the early two thousands, the hot ceramics. I always thought they sounded bad. Yeah, I agree with that. They sound super bright and super thin. Yeah. I always, whenever I got a Mexican Strat from that era, I always swapped them out. I don't know where along the line they started using better pickups. I know the new Mexican line of fenders has a much better pickup. Yeah. Well, it's an El Nico. Um, So that's one thing. And that's a, that's a materials change. And personally, like, I mean, I guess that's technically a preference, but that's a case where I do think I could hear a difference. If you're playing spaghetti westerns, you want that bright ceramic sound. I mean, I guess, but I always thought they even I always thought they sounded harsh. Oh yeah, they sound harsh in a way that like wasn't just bright. It was like it was like grating. Oh yeah. Whereas like I have the Seymour Duncan Strat pickup in my Telecaster, and that thing's pretty bright. But I feel like it's bright and smooth. It's not bright and brittle. Sure. And I can tell the differences in different styles of pickups. But it's yeah. like style, like um, between, like you give me two PAFs, and I don't feel like I'm going to hear a huge quality difference above standard quality versus just there being an output difference pickup to pickup. Like I can hear like, or feel like, Oh, this is just giving me a bit more. Right. Maybe it's a thing. Cause I used to feel that way about speakers. And then I did my whole like speaker shootout and amp exploration mm-hmm. thing last year. And I learned just how drastically different speakers can sound, which I was right. surprised by honestly, cause I'd never been someone who swapped speakers and didn't comparisons before, but it's true. It's totally true. Speakers make a huge difference. Yeah. It's well, and there's there's certain things that um are kind of um where was I going with this? I don't know. Oh, I was gonna say like sometimes like unless you own the thing and you're like active swapping and like I guess maybe recording and like listening back to it, you know, you, you don't really know. And and so I was thinking like I've always thought that well originally I always thought that like the Gibson ceramic humbucker sounded bad, which is the 490s. The classic ones are the 496R and the 500T. Okay. Um, and in turn, the 498 or the 490R and the 498T, which are the. I don't know why he knows this stuff. Just shut up. Um, which were the Alnico. Uh, so the, the 496 and 500 were what was on the Les Paul Classic. Okay. The 498 and 490 were what were on the Les Paul Studio. 
the 490 and the 490 were what was on the SG at the same time. The point being, they don't actually use these pickups Why anymore. Why do you have so much Gibson knowledge? Because these were like just things. So it the, I, I mean, I these can tell us all the things. I, I always thought that the, the 490, 498 combo, and I, and I read a lot of people say this too, like that they sounded kind of muddy. Sure. Um, but then sometimes I wonder like – Sometimes if, you want muddy though. And 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 I always thought they sounded better like with with drive, yeah. Especially like the the four ninety six five hundred combo, I thought was kind of like again ceramic, but humbuckers that they sounded kind of like too bright clean, but then they sounded like so rad with like a mm. with like a mid gain to high gain distortion. Um. Uh, but it's one of those things where it's like I always wonder like was I were the pickups really not that great or was it just the guitars they were mounted to sometimes you don't know in that case i'm still kind of leaning that the pickups just weren't something that i wanted to hear um i always i was kind of on the same train and this is where this comes up is that the um when they did the gibson faded studios Uh uh-huh this or uh, this Gibson Studio Faded series in like the mid two thousands, those had burst buckers in them, which was like Gibson's higher end pickup. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting because like Gibson would just kind of throw put different pickups on different. My SG came, came with burst buckers. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and there's like I think three different. I think there's the burst bucker, the burst bucker three. I think there's a burst bucker, burst bucker two, three, and five, um, and the pro. Maybe there's five different models. I'm not sure. Um, and I don't even know how if they still produce those, or at least they put them on the guitars. One of the things wow. that was brought up on your Gibson 2019 video, somebody pointed out that I think the SG Standard, is that the SG Standard in 2018? No, in 2017 came with 61s. Then in 2018, they I think they had, went back to like 490s. And now for 2019, they have 61s again or something weird like that. The Gibson process for like putting pickups and things has always seemed a little random because I think at one point the standards had the four, the same pickups as the studio, but the customs always had burst buckers in them. So it's like their cheapest and their most expensive Les Pauls had their quote like professional right. grade pickups in it. And their their middle one, the studio and the standard had like their cheap – Huh. Had like their budget friendly pickups and eh, something weird like that. Anyway, um, that was one place where I always felt like I could hear it. But then I had a Squire with P90s in it and I always thought it sounded good. And other people were like, no, those are junk P90s. They're not even real P90s. I'm like, I don't know, man. They just sound good to me. I mean, all the, the, the Titan pick guards that I got are loaded with Duncan designed. Mm, or are they no, Seymour Duncan? They're actual Seymour They're Duncans. real Seymour Duncan's. But they're, you know, the one thing they all, that, they all sound really good to me. They're not uh, like Seymour Duncan is like a pretty consumer friendly brand. Yeah. It's not like, oh my gosh, here's this crazy boutique sort of thing. And, and even with that, like, that's, I, thought, I think all those pickups sound fantastic. I mean, the the bridge humbucker that came in one of those guards sounds probably one of my favorite humbuckers I've ever played right. with. And I think it's, I like I said, it's I don't know if it's just the output or if it's a tonality thing, but it just resonates with me. I can't remember. So, uh, you know, the the thing with that those two is kind of interesting because um 
Seymour Duncan USA is like the JB, you know, the Jazz, these different right. models, 59, um, which I want to say the uh, that you have the P90s on there, but I want to say yeah. the dual humbucker one is like a 59 and Jazz combo maybe. I should hang the other pickups um, up there on the wall next to it. But the um, what's interesting with that one is you have Seymour Duncan and you have Duncan Designed. And there was oh the Duncan Performer series that's what I was trying to remember. So Seymour Duncan this did, turned into just nothing know, but pickup pick talk. Well, it's because like that's the thing that people tend to go to with like oh is an this easy is thing way to swap. It's an easy way to like um, upgrade your guitars in, to swap pickups. Is in the case of those the Seymour obviously like Seymour Duncan USA they're they're being made by Seymour Duncan in like Los Angeles or wherever the hell Seymour Duncan is based out of um, the. Duncan Performer series were like pickups that were like basically the Squire version mm. of Seymour Duncan. And then the Duncan design stuff for a long time, I uh, you couldn't buy those. You could only get them as an OEM yeah, pickup. They would come in junk. And so what would happen is not junk, but you know what I mean. They would um, come in. They'd budget come in guitars. all your import guitars. Yeah. So um, so yeah, the, like Schecter was full of Duncan design. Exactly. You're yeah. like four hundred dollars Schecter would have a Duncan design. Your six hundred dollars Schecter would have an actual Seymour Duncan pickup. Those were always kind of a crapshoot because sometimes they would sound kind of bad, and sometimes they would sound like this, this, there's nothing wrong with it. Exactly. It sounds just fine. And and so with those with those OEM Duncan designs, like the QC was just looser, and so sometimes you can't necessarily say like, oh, this brand makes a bad pickup, right? Because you just don't because it's like the consistency is just not there. Sure. Um, other things I don't think I can really hear the difference on is like wood. I, wood tends to be, I think, more of a feel. I noticed that I prefer guitars that have a more resonant feel versus mm. guitars that have more of like a brick sort of feel. Like, right. Where they just kind of soak up the resonance. Like I like a guitar. I noticed it with like lighter guitars where like you can feel the whole body kind of vibrate and that's mm-hmm. part, part of the reason why i like the the squire bullet back there is it's so thin and it's such a small piece of wood that the the vibrations of the strings just really take over the whole body yeah um i prefer that over like a heavier style of guitar where the strings just kind of get uh the resonance just gets sucked into the wood and kind of disappears you know yeah um but from what i understand from listening to the lutherist podcast Years and years ago, I haven't listened to it for a while. I don't even know if they're still publishing. I, think, I hope they are. I think they are. I hope they are. Um, that there are, like you, you can be picky about your your woods, like what trees it comes from. But the truth is that like different densities of wood will come from the same exact tree, and so it's like the species almost doesn't matter. The difference right. in the density of the particular piece of wood that you're using matters. Well, yeah, and I, I've heard that as well. And, it, you know, it kind of goes into this idea that... So it's um, like you could have, like, mahogany or, or basswood, but if, like, one has... If they match density, then it doesn't really matter. Or if there's wild density differences between two pieces of mahogany, then there'll be completely different guitars and, and right. stuff like that. And that kind of, like, it goes into this idea that... Um, uh, the old, um, that basically like all of these guitars that we say are like, Oh, like they just made guitars better in the fifties and sixties or this and that, or whatever. It's really the difference is that everything being produced. And I'm saying, I guess strictly for like American made instruments. Sure. Um, that 
the American made instruments like from Fender uh, on like an alder body strat now is being built with like new growth alder. Right. Whereas the, the tree that was cut down to make a, make a Fender in the fifties might've been like a hundred years old or whatever when right. it was cut down. They were deforesting old growth forests in the fifties, which is where that's that good, good tone comes from to get that good. Or like it was just lumber that had been sitting around for a long, long time already. Right. Right. It wasn't like, Oh, we need all this alder. So we're going to cut down all these trees, you know, or they wasn't, they were trees that weren't coming from tree farms that again, you know, how fast can we grow this tree so we can harvest it? I don't know. I've heard that. I don't know that much about. I think the percept, the perception is that, Oh, they were really picking the good stuff back then. But I don't know. The stuff I've heard about Leo Fender, I think he was getting whatever he could get at the price that he wanted. Right. It's just what was available. This is what he used. So we've covered tubes. Wood. Wood. Did we cover pickups, pickups. Steve? I think we covered pickups. Did you talk about pickups at all? Uh, like Speakers? We talked about speakers a little bit. Um, cables. Cables. What should we talk Sinusoid. about? Sinusoid.com. They make cables. Are we going to that now? We're just going to end the topic. Uh, well, what are we missing? Um, uh, paint the finish on your guitar. Does does uh, nitrocellulose sound better because it's made out of? I mean, wood? red guitars do sound faster. Does that even make sense? Because the red wavelength is like the big wave. So when no, it, red, red guitar sounds slower. No, red is the faster wavelength. Not faster, it's bigger. But it's not the fastest. What do you mean by bigger? Do you mean the the wavelength or the the wavelength is is like it's a larger frequency. No? No, I don't think so. Because ultraviolet is higher, right? Infrared is slower. Is red at the bottom? As a rainbow, red is on the outside. <laughs> I'm too tired for this right now. Physics! Oh my gosh. You might be right with the red shift thing. <laughs> but I thought red was on the other side of it. On the inside? No, it's got to be on the outside. Is red at the bottom of the visual spectrum? Or is it at the top? I can't remember. I'm pretty sure it's at the bottom. I think red is slower because the wavelength is longer. I can't remember, guys. I'm sorry that I failed you in color theory right now. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It's... I mean, I, th- I think someone else made a, a comment in reply to that that probably sums up what this we should have been really, talking this about. This probably really only matters if you're playing at 432 hertz anyway. <laughs> Let me see if I can find it. No, um, who cares? Somebody said tone chasing is, or Mark Hoffman's response. That's what I was, was trying to find. Tone chasing is rooted in discontent and problem solving. Your gear does, your gear does something you specifically don't like. The cover songs you play don't sound close enough to the original or someone else's gear can do something yours can't. If you're not unhappy, you won't throw money at modding your gear. Ignorance can be bliss. Oversensitive criti- criticality can be hell. And that's, I mean, that's, yeah. abso- that's absolutely true. I think true. you missed a point in that a lot of times, in my case anyways, I'm just curious. And I just want to try yeah. everything. I just want to hear uh, what everything sounds like. And it's not based in unhappiness or discontentment. It's based in curiosity and uh, wanting to explore everything that's out there. Well, I think you know it depends. Are you chasing? Well, I mean, I guess. I the mean, question my, my is goal, like, my goal is not like, oh, if only I could get that sound, then I'd be happy. I don't. 
I don't have any delusion that I'll I'll ever stop right. exploring everything. It's not like right. trying to achieve a goal. I just want to try everything that I know about. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not trying to well, solve it, any problems. And it kind of like goes back to the I whole thing. Know is that, like, I know that I can do everything I need to do with a guitar that has single coils, a, a DOD-250, a DD-3, and some version of a drippy reverb. Yeah, but no one wants to watch that YouTube channel. Exactly. All right. Uh do our sponsor. Yeah, sponsors. Hey, sponsor. We have one sponsor this week? Yeah, it's uh, Sinusoid Pro Audio Couture. This week we're talking about the Slate, their signature cable. It's got a tackified uh, rubber We've got a uh, lot of material. It makes things a little sticky. It really like sticks to the floor. It's really it's really neat. That's this Slate right there. Yeah, Ooh, I, I gri- use it around so here grippy. just because it does, like, you'll notice I have them dripping off of the amps over here. Uh, as they sit across various surfaces, they stay put. Yeah. And they don't wander around. I can run them across a desk and they won't slide off the edges. They'll stay put, which is really great for like my demo work and stuff like that. When I want the cable to sit on a certain part of the table and not like pull the pedal off to the side or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so if you're looking for a heavy duty professional grade cable that offers super low capacitance, go check out the slate at sinusoid.com. Sinusoid. They make cables. And smiles. All right. This next ad was sent by Andy Bagley. This is a mint slammer. Well, he says it's mint in quotations. That's not said anywhere in the ad. Oh, okay. There's really nothing said in the ad. Other the than- ad just says 1992 slammer by Hamer, $300, down from an original listing price of $500. Jeez, $500. The only thing on this guitar that is 100% intact is the pickup ring? The strings seem to all the be there. The strings, yeah. The bridge is there. Uh, the reason I grabbed... Well, I, I'm not sure if the bridge is intact because I'm, there's no whammy bar right, there. Right, right. The reason I grabbed this ad is because, this, this, besides the color of it, yeah, this is the exact guitar that was my first electric guitar. Right. I bought it. Oh, yours didn't have any pickups either. No, mine had pickups in it. Mine was actually pretty much in stock condition when I bought it. And I bought it probably 97. Okay. 1997, something like that. For, I want to say, like 175 bucks. How much did you sell it for? Uh, I parted it out. So oh, okay. I think I sold the body and the neck for uh, like $100 even. Gotcha. Um, yeah, these guitars are not worth $300, especially in this condition. It's missing its pickups. It's missing a switch. Uh, who knows what else it's missing? Knobs. Knobs in this condition. Uh, these were a very budget-friendly guitar when they came out. Uh, they came with a very cheap version of a Floyd Rose. A very, yeah, the, a very deeply licensed Floyd Rose, <laughs> I'll say. They, they licensed the license. Exactly. <laughs> um, but the fretboard was super lightning fast. Right. Very fast player, very interesting guitar for me to decide to be my first electric. Uh, I damn near like cried myself to sleep the first time I tried to change strings. It oh, took me right. hours trying to figure out how to change strings on a Floyd Rose because I'd only played acoustic yeah. before this. Yeah. Um, it, a big learning experience for me. And it's the sort of thing where like, I look at it and it's like, eh, it's kind of a trash guitar now. 
But I spent a lot of time with that guitar. I I completely disassembled that guitar multiple times, like exploring what I could do with it, modding it. I did uh, coil splits on that guitar. I did completely new switching on it. I was soldering things mm-hmm. for the first time ever, swapping pickups. I mean, you talked about that for about 58 minutes. <laughs> uh, and the first topic is changing out uh, pickups. But I, I dropped a Duncan Designed. The first pickup I ever bought... Uh, to to drop in and to mod something, I dropped into the bridge oh. of this. Eventually, I took out the middle pickup mm-hmm. and did like a double humbucker thing. And then after that, I dropped down to one pickup. So I went on this whole journey where it's like I got to have as many switches and as many controls as I can have on this guitar as possible. Right. And by the time I was done with it, I had gone down to one humbucker. Was it like directly wired to the pickup? Yeah. To the output? Yeah. There was no. There were no uh, knobs or switches right. at all. Yeah, I forgot about that. Also, the real expense with this guitar is that I was cranking down the uh, the pin onto the string in the Floyd Rose, mm-hmm. and I cranked it down too hard, and I broke the little block that oh, pinches no. the string. So I took it to the local guitar shop, and I was like, I broke this part. Do you have a replacement? And they're like, that Floyd Rose is licensed so deeply <laughs> The inception is too deep. We oh will gosh. never be able to find a part that fits right exactly there. We have the replacement part for for real Floyd Roses, but they don't fit in there. And so they pitched to me replacing the bridge with a real Floyd Rose, which is worth about twice as much as the guitar. <laughs> which is why I parted it out when I sold it. Right. So I sold the oh, okay, the bridge right. separate. Um. But yeah, I I. Dropped like two hundred something bucks on a new bridge for it, yeah. Plus the installation cost, but it completely changed the guitar into a better guitar. So there's that. All right, question. Yes, um, your garage is blown up by terrorists. Okay, insurance pays you full value for all of the guitars you have. Why are terrorists blowing up? My I stuff? don't know, man. Because they hate music. Musical terrorists, huh? How? I only know one person who fits that description. How cheap does this guitar have to be? Assuming that it has all the pickups and everything, how cheap does this guitar have to be where you're like, ah, I'll go get it. I got a bunch of cash. I could, you know. You're saying insurance wrote me a check. Insurance wrote you a check. And I don't have the value of all of your guitars. So you can still get like anything else that you want. You sure terrorists were behind this and I didn't just flood the garage somehow? I don't know. <laughs> um, so, so basically, how cheap would this guitar have to be for you to be like, yeah, I'll ride that nostalgia train again? Here, I'll I'll posit a different hypothetical. Yeah. If I was walking through the swap meet and okay. I saw this and I had, uh, it's normal for me to go to the swap meet and have a hundred bucks in my pocket. Okay. If I was walking through the swap meet and saw this. I would probably try to haggle under fifty. If it's all intact, like ready to play, and that's just me buying out of nostalgia. Um, so you're saying, okay, so you're saying like fifty dollars. I don't want it in. My, I don't want another one of these in my life again. But okay. under fifty dollars, I would be like, yeah, I'll go down that road. All right. Um, because the stock pickups were pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the stock bridge was really bad, but the neck was good. I was also did my first refinishes on this on this guitar. I stripped it and I refinished yeah, it multiple yeah, that, times. Yeah, that was, I remember it being blue, like a dark blue with a silver stripe. Yeah, the rattle can job that was super thick and super sticky. Yeah, so gross. Yeah, and then I stripped it down to be bare wood that I stained, and it was like a just a dry wood sort of look. 
It was a fun guitar, and honestly, Slammers are are a really great bargain for the money. They're great playing guitars for the money, but uh, this line had some issues. Uh, I think it was called the Centura line. Hmm. It's a, basically a super strat. Right. Yeah. Uh, next topic. Yeah, this topic was sent in by Adam Miller. Apparently, he's been sending it in for a while. Uh, or he just thinks that we're going to ignore it, and this is his first try, and he's going to keep saying it until no, we No, I've seen it. this one before. I don't remember it. Sorry. Um, uh, Adam Miller says... I can't wait to hear what he says. I'm going to keep suggesting this. If you could play any guitar in all of history for 30 minutes, which one? Or if you could play through any rig in all of history, what would it be? I could probably name a couple. All right. You want to lay some on me? Um, yeah, I'll start with, uh, even though I don't play the style, um, I would say uh, the uh, Jaco Pastorius... Really? Uh, fretless jazz bass I'm through the acoustic, th- uh, I believe he played an acoustic 360-361 combo, which is why I don't, because that was like just a huge, massive, or the alternative, the reason I went with Jaco is because I knew what bass he played. Is it Jaco or Jocko? I don't know. I'm I watched just, a documentary about him a while. I was making it all up now. I don't remember. But it would be interesting. I could see you having fun messing with his fretless bass. Because he didn't didn't he make this mo- that modification himself? He pulled the frets um, out. Yeah, I, I think I actually don't remember, but possibly uh, the other way I would have gone. Uh, also, like this is really all about that uh, that rig. Because the other way I would have gone is uh, the John Paul Jones '70s Zeppelin rig. But the mm. problem is that I don't really. Oh, is that that one with that giant speaker situation that's the same with all thing. the horns? And that's and... Just the same thing that that Pestorius played. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. And it looks like John Paul Jones maybe played alembic basses. Yeah. Um, it looks like he played a lot of different basses. But... When I went to that fretboard journal conference, yeah. uh, what, like two years ago or something like that, I watched two guys talk about that whole scene. I think it, there was a guy there who worked for Alembic. And just the ridiculous things that they were trying to do to get the like the best bass signal ever with the technology that they had and mm-hmm. where they've ended up with the technology is just ridiculous. Like yeah. guitarists are nowhere near like that level of experimentation with our signal path. Well, people who like Olympics always kind of been on that, that train of like doing things that are like very, I guess uh, are very eclectic. Well, but think about like the kinds of artists that play Olympic. Like you had, um, you had, a lot of guys in... How do we pronounce it? Is it not Alembic? We were saying Alembic, and then you said Alembic. Alembic? Is it Alembic? I have no idea. Um, I don't know. I feel like they've always been kind of a pioneer in that field. And, you know, they've had artists... When I think of them, I always think immediately of uh, John Entwistle from The Who. Sure. And of uh, The Grateful Dead. Hmm. And so these are both kind of like... Bands, bands or artists that had, you know, kind of like jam band kind of songs. Like, I wouldn't call The Who a jam band, but they definitely had songs that were like 10 I mean, minutes long. In that era, everyone was jamming. Let's right, right. Um, so, you know, I think they did kind of cater to a very specific sort of player that wanted like a customized 
instrument. And so part of that is is trying to figure out what all crazy, interesting options are available. Yeah. I think also in that era, people were really relying on their personal rigs for their stage volume and for yeah. their audience volume. So they, they were trying to make rigs that the band could use to project to an entire huge audience before like PAs became as powerful as they are now. And now everyone can do smaller rigs that they don't even use for their volume on stage because they're using the monitors. So things were all kinds of crazy in the seventies. Um, rigs that I'd like to get into. I would love to like go back in time and play, uh, through the, the the amp that Link Ray used on his early mm. recordings of Rumble, where it's like the slashed and destroyed speakers, right? And see and hear exactly like what that was like because I've tried to do it and it like never sounds right. So I'd love to see that actual rig and and play through it. I'd love to play his guitars that he was playing at the time. Um, you know, same with uh, the Kinks had the same thing going on, right? Slash speakers. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to... Oh, here's John Paul Jones with the jazz bass. Apparently, he just played freaking everything. It's just Here, play whatever people Here's one with a Fender them. bass V. Remember the bass V? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Freaky thing. Sorry. Uh, man, who else? Do I'd love to be able to play uh, Chris Ballou's uh, two-string bass guitar mm. or the three-string uh, git bass from Presidents of the United States of America. Uh, man, what else is there? I mean, we're talking about like a seven minutes in heaven situation yeah. with like famous guitars. Jeez. I mean, I feel like I've been on a little bit of like a Floyd kick lately. So part of me just wants to play like any particular David Gilmore setup that also involves uh, the the his like was yeah. it number one. The black is it is it him who called his guitar number one? The the right. David Gilmore black strap. Right. Right. Um, it, I think it would be worthwhile to like, just pick a famous player and be like, yeah, I, I played their guitar. It wasn't that great, you know? Yeah. Or like, oh, the, the guitar was super good. That's why he played so good. Mm. <laughs> I'm sure there's like a bunch of people out there who'd be like, oh, obviously Peter Green, Les Paul, like, right. That's. And so, you know, that's kind of an interesting thing. Do you think thing anyone I- wants to sign up to go back in time and, and suck on, uh, on, uh, Peter Frampton's talk box? Oh my gosh! I just want to use the same talk box, talk box right after he used it. Well, you know, yeah. I don't know if you, I don't know if I could put down a half hour on it. But <laughs> I think you could go half an hour on a talk box. Steve. I think it, no, I, I, I was going somewhere with this. I'm sure you were. Um, would would be to go play the log for half an hour. Oh yeah! Oh shoot! That'd be like, a lot of fun. Like so, that's the other side like of the it. Proto, is, the prototype list, is do you, like Les Paul yeah, guitars. Do you spend your? Do you spend your? I think I would have a lot of fun hour, with prototypes. Like, picking like the the first instrument, or do you spend like? Yeah, I'd spend half an hour with any any like Bigsby, yeah, good, like a, the original like Bigsby electric guitars. Um, you know, there's some like just some weird old stuff in there where it's like they're not necessarily associated like with any play, particular artist from a recording standpoint. Yeah. Play like the first like broadcaster or something like that. Right. Like an old snakehead. Yeah. And there are people who actually have like I the, think that's more I think that's much more my speed and obviously 
like our speed like that's together. A, well, that's like we're a broader. Are like, we're we're more gear centric than we are player centric. Yeah, and and in that's our mentalities that's more like more um, broad. Yeah. It almost feels like a cop out answer because they're not. I don't think so. Because they're not historic in the sense of like you know you say like oh I, I would go back and play uh, I played you know the white Hendrix strat from monterey or whatever mm. you know where it's associated with a particular event right or a particular you but know probably played like any strat off the shelf you know would you would you go play uh one of uh george harrison's rickenbackers from like the ed sullivan show you know or something like that um so but even there like it's less like do you connect with the piece because of the artist it's associated with right and say like Okay, it's this artist, and it's a really cool guitar that I love. Like, I mean, um, or do you say like, well, this isn't just like an artist that I have enjoyed in some level. Uh, I have a little Beatles on the rank because I listened through Abbey Road today for the mm-hmm. fir- I've, first time I've ever listened through a Beatles record. Wow! Actually, congratulations, um, Steve. Yeah, um, but uh, you know, it's kind of that idea of like, do you do you go for something bigger, like? You know then then to... just oh this is this guy's rig and I know he used it on like this record or that record because I you know it would I want to try the all the gear that's like weird and like different some way like I, it just popped in my head like I'm not like a huge Elvis head or anything like that I want to play one of his acoustic guitars right. that was like completely leather wrapped oh and so yeah. like see what that feels like and sounds like things like, like that would you play like I mean another one that's kind of along those lines is a uh, trigger. Willie Nelson's mm. acoustic guitar. Yes. Where so he was holding it together. Like what like there's nothing I, I don't want to say Willie Nelson's music is compelling because he's clearly like one of the most prolific songwriters of right. of modern music. Yeah. Um but you know when you think of like of like oh yeah like what's a rig you'd want to play like I don't know like I'm sure a lot of other guys are saying like oh you got to there's a thousand acoustic guitar players that would come up before somebody goes like, oh, what about Willie Nelson? Sure. But again, there's that historic – like that's a guitar that when he passes at some point, like that guitar is going straight to the Smithsonian um, or to like – Smithsonian? The, the Smithsonian. <laughs> <laughs> or, or like the – I'm not one to judge. Or like the uh, Grand Ole Opry Museum or something. Yeah. Like it's going straight to like a place where it's going to be like – Never touched like put again. It, put it in a plexi box next to the Constitution, as far as I'm concerned. You know, I mean, he had that red, white, and blue strap, right? Is, is yeah, there? A, it's American. Is, has there been a musician that's more American than Willie Nelson? How do you? I'm not going to get into judging how American people are, Steve. That's my you. Oh, that might name? that might be your thing to figure out who is more and less American, but that's not my jam. Just call me Steve McCarthy. <laughs> All right. What kind of shoes are you wearing? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> we got to burn those bad boys. They're not Nikes. I'll tell you what. <laughs> my Nikes never leave. The, actually, my Nikes have never left the house. Oh, really? They're your yeah. house shoes. <laughs> I have a pair that are they're my indoor workout shoes. I had a pair of Nikes that were purple, and they were pretty fly. 
Were they like classic, like classic joggers? I don't know the model. I don't care about No, I'm just saying like, were they like a jogger, like a vintage style shoe? Yeah, I don't know. No? Okay. I forget what they are. They might be here in the garage. I'm saying like, are they the same style as like your, your, uh, your Onisukas? No. Okay. No, they're not like, they're not like vintage style or anything like that. All right. You got anything else? They're kind of like skate shoes, I guess. Um, man, well, is there anything else I'd want to play? It's hard. To, it's hard to. You guys, you guys yeah. say it in the comments wherever you. Happen if you to have be. made it to the one hour mark and you're on YouTube, let's hear what what rigs you would play through. Yeah, yeah. Um, this last ad was sent in by Justin Sveck. This is a doozy. Keybase. I decided to sell the keybase I made. Fully functional MIDI controller and bass guitar. Washburn bass. Arteria keystep controller. Two hundred and fifty dollars. <sighs> I I'm going to be honest with you, Steve. You know how I like to tinker. Uh-huh. I've thought about doing this before. Really? <laughs> For the guitar. It's, uh, it's a bass with a keyboard mounted to the lower bout of it. And there's an octopus painted on the whole and thing. And it has the proper artwork orientation. It does. And I just... Re- and the placement for playing the keyboard is in a, a decent place. Yeah, and I just actually realized that the... Not only... I thought the colors were like combined scheme-wise... The octopus flows from the bass onto yeah the keyboard yeah the whole so, thing is painted. This is actually like I mean it, the there's a little bit of weight relief in the upper horn of the bass to compensate for the keyboard. Is that, is that what that is? <laughs> there's two big holes drilled um, in there. The key step I looked it up. It's like a hundred and twenty dollar controller on Zazounds. It, uh-huh. it was like two fifty the one that I saw on eBay. So I don't know what. Price is really accurate. This looks like a pretty budgety Washburn base. It's probably oh, yeah. like 150 bucks new. Oh, yeah. 200 bucks new. So there's not necessarily like a ton of value wrapped up in this. But I like that the head of the octopus is actually a bomb. It's yeah, got the yeah. fuse coming oh, yeah. out of it. That's a fun uh, graphic. Um, I feel like this is a kind of thing where if I was in... How do you like that upper fret axis? <laughs> Basically got nothing past the 13th I mean, fret. I, I, if you're playing that high, you're not playing bass anymore anyway. That's a good point. Um, Says the guy who wants to jam on Jocko's bass. It was a full-length bass. It's not like I have to play high. <laughs> um, I don't know why anyone uses more than one string on a bass. You got all the notes you need on that first low string. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't get it either. Um so I I would uh, so two fifty. I don't know if this is like two fifty, but I, I would say like if I was in some kind of like DIY um, like punk meets EDM techno whatever. Like if you were in a band that played at the Park Gallery, you would use yeah those. exactly. Like An if experimental I, young person, I would say like if if I was in a, yeah, right. Or if I was in, like, I'm thinking something that's like a like a a smash up of like, um, gosh, I don't know. I hope uh, you find it in your head, Steve. Whatever it is, um, like uh, of like the Ramones and Devo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This could work in a in a Devo sort of scene very well. I mean, you get keys and the bass. Yeah, I saw a mariachi band play uh in old town a while back 
and the bass player was playing keys at the same time. So he's holding down bass lines with his left hand, tapping them, mm-hmm. and then playing like trumpet parts on the keyboard at the same time. That's cool. So maybe this is a basement for a mariachi band. I mean, you could do a, a few different things with it. I, I, I do like the execution more than I thought I would. Um, I think there's a place for it. I don't know if this is two fifty. No, I, I think the price is is like it's going to go for whatever someone will offer him. Yeah, uh, I couldn't even tell you what the price should be, but if it was like if it was a swap meet scenario, like I was saying, right, 100%. I'd be hundred bucks and under. I the other thing that's kind of interesting about this is looking close, trying to look as close as I can at the hardware. It all the hardware actually looks like clean. Yeah, yeah, everything looks pretty clean. This isn't like beat up a lot of times when you see stuff like this it's like beat up and neglected yeah this is like beat up but no, it's not like neglected. a look like they did a paint job on it to yeah. look a certain way and you can tell it's a cheaper washburn and it's on a really messed up leather chair and i know the chair probably doesn't come with it but you can always haggle hold um, on i'm looking at this window in the back is this in the park gallery <laughs> it very well could be it's got a blue denim strap on it eh, i don't know but re- really we should be talking about the concept of it like m- in my head when i wanted to do this sort of thing with a guitar i don't even know how to play keys i can like right yeah i can i can dink out a little tune here and there i'm trying to figure out if but this is like uh, in my head it would be like the output of the keyboard ru- would run directly into the electronics of the guitar so that you can share the same output Ooh. i don't know if that's even possible uh-huh and then you just run it all through the same effects exactly panel. and but i bet this thing needs power unless it's like battery power. Oh yeah. Uh, I bet you think there's it, a bu- it might be battery. It's designed to be a portable. Mm, it's probably keyboard powered. Um, I always want to get you know the little uh, uh, Casio keyboard that our friend Davey has. It's like it's tiny. I keep sticking to this paper. It's tiny. It's like this small. I always thought about getting one of those, and it's got the feature in it where you can seen it. you can program a tune into it, and yeah. then you set it to a certain mode, and it doesn't matter what key you press; it always presses the next uh, uh, note in the sequence. Oh, so you could have a pre-programmed like uh, sequence of notes right. that you just sit there and tap in time to what you're playing. Interesting. I don't think I've seen that. So I could like program a song into it. And then fake it on stage next by playing whatever. Next time know? I go over there, I'm going to be like, hey, hey, yeah, ask him hey about Dave, it. I hear you have a magical keyboard. It's a cute little Casio thing. I thought about getting one for myself just because you're cute. All right, you ready to wrap this up? Yeah, let's get out of here. It's called right. a day. This week's song was sent by Joey Jaworski. He says, so here's a song submission. Uh, this project isn't completely dead, but won't be coming back under this name when the next album is done. Gearwise, lots of Jazz Masters, a Fender Twin, an AC30, buttload of overdrive pedals. Really can't remember exactly what was used. Uh, this is He says, this is my favorite song from the era of this band. The new stuff should be lots of fun. We'll update with new material once it's finished. Uh, this song is called Hallways. The project was called These Bridges, but apparently it's going to be called something else. Hmm. So thanks, Joey, for sending it in. We're actually at a point where I want to say we're running out of songs but we're definitely at a lower number of songs than i'm comfortable with so if you'd like to submit music send it to 60 cycle humcast at gmail.com uh mp3 attached to the email is preferred mm. but we can work with google drive links too i guess no don't say that steve we want it but we want really MP3s. just send us mp3s send us your mp3s if you can't figure them that that out then what are you even doing yeah send us an mp3 come on they're small you can put them in an email all right for ryan this is steve and for steve this is ryan bye
Later, guys. Thank you.